Welcome to John Graves Kayak Fishing here on Anchor. Kurt, what are you doing? What is going on, John? I'm just hanging out, man. Just hanging out at Cowboy Gasoline, I take it? It is the hot place to be, man. I wonder who belonged to that horse. The horse named Torquedo <laughs> rode up here at the Rock and Star Ranch Cowboy Gasoline. So, no, that was a funky intro. That's kind of a Sesame Street kind of fun thing that we got to do. I am so happy to see you, man. I'm so glad that you're doing the podcast with me tonight. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me back. I think, uh, to be honest with you, I think me and you got some good mojo together. I think we do, man. I think we do. I'm not afraid to ask the stupid questions, and you're not afraid to answer them. <laughs> with stupid answers. <laughs> man, I got so much to talk to you about. Uh, the weather starting to change right now. Today was a beautiful day in southwestern Ohio. Started a little cold, but man, the sun was out. Got warm in the afternoon. I have a feeling you like those things. I do. I do. Man, I am... You know, if we're going to have winter, let's have winter, right? Right. Because there are some patterns you can follow in the wintertime. And... For me, that's like mainly river fishing, right you now. So I'm, I'm out in the Ohio River and its tributaries and stuff. And this year's been a little tough because it's been kind of warm, and the and the river's been low, you right. know. And I, I look back through my notes that I have, and um, you know, this is this has like been the the warmest for the long for the longest and the lowest it's been. Right. So it's just uh you know it's different. So I've been having to adapt. Right. You know, I am not scared to say that, you know, the last four years have been gangbusters. And then this year has been tough. I've had one really good bite. Right. And that was more of like luck. It just straight up. I just went to a spot. I had a few hours to fish. It was towards the end of the day. It was snowing out. I get there. Man, and it was, it was killer. I went back and they were gone. That's that 5% of luck that you get in fishing. Because you do get a little luck in you fishing, do. don't you? You do. It's not much, but it's 5 or 10%. Like yeah. Fact. Yeah. Right. I think in any sport, there's a lot of luck, man. Right. There, there's always luck involved in any sport. Right. You know, you're lucky you don't get hurt. You know, you're lucky that you don't have mechanical. That's very true. You need to think about that on that part of stuff. Yeah. Well, you have bad the, luck, right? right? I mean, it's just, the, it's just maybe you don't have good luck, but someone has bad luck. Right. That's, yeah. I'm very hee-haw. And I was, what's that song? Oh, despair and agony on me. Deep, dark depression. Just something misery. Right? If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no, no bad luck. luck at all. <laughs> right? I don't know. So, talking about the winter fishing, because I think that you... You don't see a lot of people staying in the kayaks now. Because you know me, I'm a social media kind of guy. I get up every morning, I look at it. I, in the middle of the day, I'm looking at it. At night, I'm looking at it. I'm active with that kind of stuff. And I'm seeing a lot more posts of the, oh, putting her away for the winter. You know, there's, it's gonna... there's a lot more people fishing, too, from kayaks. So I think you're seeing a lot of those people, you know, well, first off, let's just say, man, we have now hit the time where it's deadly out. Right. That's man, true. It, yeah. If you're wearing an inflatable PFD on days like today where it starts below freezing, you are risking your life. Yeah. If you're not wearing a dry suit, you are risking your life. 
that's just the bottom line, man. Anyone who is doing that is very bad role model or or just doesn't know better. Um, you made that suggestion on Facebook the other day about the inflatables. And I like my inflatable. And I never really thought about that. I love my inflatable, man. And I'd wear my inflatable year-round if I could wear an inflatable. They're just easy to put on. They're out of the way. They just don't take up any room. But that's just the scary thing. It's just, right. And what happens if you need that in the wintertime? And it, and it, just like they say, the Coast Guard says, they don't fully inflate. Because it's below whatever the manufacturer's temperature, they say. Right. Some of them are as high as 45 degrees. And they want air temperature and water temperature to be above 45 degrees. Right. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. Especially on that river fishing like you like to do when it's muddy and flowing and all of that good stuff. Yeah, you got some current. I mean, heaven, heaven forbid someone goes in. You know, it'd be a bad, bad scene. I've only seen like one, I've only seen two people go in. And uh, both of them, quite honestly, were goofing around. Right. You know, one guy was trying to walk on some ice, and then he ended up breaking through the ice. Yeah, that's no I'm fun. like, mm, you know, at least he was right at the dock or, or pretty close to it. I'm like, you know, it's like I'm never going with you again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you put your life in peril. If I was going to go out and get a dry suit, what, what would be a good brand of a dry suit to get or look at? You know me, I'm a low-budget guy. There's lots of good what brands out there. Lots of good brands, man. I mean, just if you, to just to get into one, you can probably get into one for like around four hundred bucks. I'm guessing, right. um, like a Kokatat. You can usually find them on sale. Um, they're gonna be funky colors. It'll be like bright yellow or neon blue or something. NRS is another good brand to get into. They're a little bit more expensive, but the NRS stuff is just fits better. Right. And what I like to do is I like to go a route that's probably. It's not that it's definitely not the cheapest, but I get the NRS bibs, yeah, the Sidewinder bibs, and then I get one of their uh, dry tops over that. So you know when it gets warm out, I can strip off my top and just use the bibs as the as, as bibs, yeah. you know. Or if it's if I feel like the conditions call for it, wear the top and have the full dry suit action. Right. And you got some like cut off woolly old like hobo looking gloves that you wear a lot. Are yeah. those, those are like your standard piece of equipment there. Yeah, they are, man. And I'll, I'll tell you, I have not found a better way to go, honestly. Man. Yes, you can't fish in brown jersey gloves. No, you can't. You, can't, you get a hook in one of those things, you're, you're done. Yeah, you just go, I mean, and the thing is, they're cheap, man. You, right. I, I, get the, I just go get the cheapest ones at Bass Pro that they sell for the, like, like a wolf three bucks. Yeah, they're fleece. Right, okay. It's like they're always in that little center aisle. And they're like three bucks, right. you know, and I just go, and, but, but the deal is, is I buy like five pairs. So I'll have one pair on and then I keep the rest in the hatch. Right. And then as they get wet and cold, my hands start getting cold. I take those off and I, oh, man, when you put warm fleece um, on. dry. That's dry. It, yeah. it, man, it feels like the, there's heaters in yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that's experience right there, buddy. Well, you know, that's you getting out in the water and realizing. I can't take all the credit for that, man. I think Jeff Little, I can't remember if I was in one of his videos or if he wrote about it, but I was like, it was one of those times where you see it and you're like, that is like the smartest thing in the world, right? <laughs> Why didn't I think of that, man? <laughs> Just bring more gloves. Right. Why don't we think of stuff like that? You know, we got all this time as kayak anglers to sit out there in the middle of nowhere and ponder our thoughts and we don't think of just very 
simple things like yeah. that. And that yep. makes all the difference. In the world. It really does, right. man. I mean, you rotate them a couple times, and man, my hands stay pretty pretty warm. I mean, it's, right. it's winter time. Right. Because really, the most because I'm going to ask you some questions about fishing in the early part of the winter, which I'm kind of struggling with. I went down to Chickamauga and absolutely got like skunked. Everybody had a hard time. It was a tough one. It was a tough one. But I was, you know, at least one. You know, the pre-fishing days were great. I caught that big monster, man. It's like, oh, gosh, I pray you and your buddies are going to be hanging out here tomorrow. Now, uh, Mike Elsie did real good in that area. You know, just right around the block, he was just a small little tiny spinnerbait and just kept at it, but only had eight bites, was able to bring seven of them in, you know, type thing. Where I was like, yeah, that's not a lot of bites either. No, it's not. I so yeah, everybody did kind of struggle on that. So I don't feel too bad, but you know, I'm I haven't I don't have the experience of going out there in the winter at Stone Lake or Cowan or down on the river. Some of the some of the really choice southwestern bodies of water that we have to fish. You know, <laughs> you know it's hard. You know, and during the spawn, it's hard to go catch something, but. You know, but I'm definitely going to devote more time to that this year. So that's why I'm glad you're here. Because really the first part is, and the most important part is, is staying in the warmth, the comfort, and the safety. Getting that figured out, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? absolutely. So outside of the dry suit. And why do they come in the brilliant cut? Is it because it's probably a lot easier to find you? Maybe yeah, when things get bad? If it you goes know, sideways, they can find you a lot easier. Right, yeah. so I can see that because they do come in some really Miami Vice type colors. They do. It's obnoxious. Yeah. It is. It, it really is. But, yeah, it's just kind of one of the things. saving your life. Yeah. You yeah. Know, think about that. It's less about looking cool. There is a moment, I think, in kayak angling when you're, it's time to look good, boys. That's in the springtime. You know, it's your springtime spawn yes. going after it. Yeah, shorts on, you're yeah. out there in flip-flops, you know. Tanned you, up. Tanned up. You look like the cool pro kayak fisherman. Yeah. You know, right, you know. Yeah, and that You got the good. tan lines for your sunglasses, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't but, wait. But this I isn't that wait. time, though. Right. That's that's the problem. I can't wait either, honestly. I'm I'm ready for spring. I mean, I do like winter bite, and even though this winter so far or this fall has been a little tough, um, you know, I'm ready, man. I, I aren't you ready for next year? I'm a, I'm so ready. Have you seen all the schedules? Yeah, it looks so good. Everything's coming together, and it's amazing where just in the short time that I've been in the kayak fishing to see what's happened with it, Three, like almost overnight. Think about this. We've, it's only really been since 2017 that I think that we had a national trail series, and that was KBF doing the KBF trail events, right? Right. And I went down to check, and I think there was, I don't know how, like 30 or 40 people in it. It wasn't that, and that was check, you know, and there wasn't that many people in them then. And that was just three years ago. Right. Man, this fourth year coming up is looking just outstanding. Yeah. Just, I mean, everybody's scheduled so far. I'm dying to see what Bass puts out. I'm dying to hear the new Bass rules. I'm, you know what I mean? Um, you know. What's going to be the big change in the Bass rules? 
do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I, I heard some rumors because, you know, some people had a problem with their, their tournament champions being kind of like if you went to three events, you got in. Basically, you pay, paid three entry fees, you bought your ticket. Right. You know, some people didn't like that. Some people do. I mean, it brings a lot of people into the event, you know, and it also gives a good cash price at an event like that. Right. Um, some people want it more select. But I don't know, man. See, it's all been rumors. We haven't seen the official stuff yet. Right. You know, and there's just lots of people are just talking what they want to see. Right. You know, someone knows someone, supposedly. And boy, kayak anglers are defining themselves right now. This is a very defining moment for kayak anglers because... It's just about the curtains about to drop on professional kayak anglers full time, living a life of going out there and hitting the road. We keep saying that though. Every year we say that, man. <laughs> I've been saying that since 2017. I'm like, we're just about to have a whole bunch of us do it, you know. And, and you know, but yes. but what we're but what we are seeing is every year it seems like one or two more people are figuring it out. You know, fit, finding their niche in the business. Right. You know, finding their way to. Um, that's true. You know. Yeah. And, and that's and that's the deal. You know, and is finding your niche. You know, uh, and everyone's still looking for that. You know right. what I mean? Because there isn't. You know, it seems like in the bass boat world, that those and I don't know this for a fact, but it just seems like their pros are very well guided. Right, almost guaranteed sponsorship. I don't want to say they right. are guaranteed sponsorship, but they're so well guided with connections and stuff because for those for the FLW to have those big pros be household names, those pros have to be able to look like pros. They have to drive the fancy truck. They have to have the nice bow. You know what I mean? They have to be able to to go from Virginia Beach to you know. Everglades out to California and then back. You know, not if if you don't. I dare say that most average people don't have the money to do that. Right. Yeah. But so we're there's very few. I think we're gonna get there though. Right. You know, I hope we're almost there, man. I think it's a lot. You know, it's a lot. I keep thinking about the businesses out there and the opportunities now with the, you know, the the tight budgets that everybody has. Everybody still has to advertise and it is about the sponsors i could see the kayak anglers stepping up to the mic so to speak and talking about their their sponsors that's what i get off on the sport i like the award presentations to see how the kayak anglers have matured in coming up on stage presenting themselves as a sports oh, yeah. uh, sportsman and Shouting off the kai the the sponsors like uh, NASCAR driver and it's it's I think that's cool I think that's actually if you're gonna move into the sport and do well with it you're gonna have to do that because that award ceremony is showtime yeah nobody's nobody's watching you under the bridge fish you know and you're out there all alone that's the time that you have to shine for your sponsors and with social media nowadays there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are, can watch those those things so speaking of watching stuff okay you're starting to get into some videotaping a little bit more heavy which i like because you got a knack for going down on the river and catching them white bass and the way that you do it 
is one of the coolest things I I think it's an iconic I don't know how to say it I think it's an iconic if they was going to make a wooden you know those wooden etches that we used to carve out for like what were those like little stamp boards yeah right yeah. Yeah. and if you could carve one of those out a print just make a print from it uh-huh the way that you sit in a kayak with that St. Croix rod in your hand and you hold that thing up over like this and it's got this <laughs> bend that I swear to god it you don't see other rods bending like that it's like it's like a piece of art how it's bending and you're pulling that fish out. That's your angle right there. So you got this new video out of you just out there. It's a little short video and you're out there with like Scentsy bladed baits or jigs or something like that. Scentsy Fisher blade baits, man. Those right. are the blade baits I use. I'm not affiliated with them. I'm not sponsored by them, man. He's just a, a local guy making a, basically a, a silver buddy type blade bait. But he puts Mustad uh, triple grip hooks on it, which I end up replacing when I go out and buy them. It doesn't matter what brand I buy, I end up putting triple grips on there. And they just come that way. And they're just, right. man, American made, reasonable price, local guy. God, man, he's just a really nice guy. Right. What's what's the name of his uh, the blade again? Cincy uh, Fisher Blade Baits. So you probably find them on Facebook. Facebook, right. and he's got a website. You can order them on. He right. gets them shipped out to you, like... Right. Lightning fast. Awesome. So, okay, so that's that's kind of one of the things I wanted to ask you before we get into, we'll take a break and we'll come back on the second half here. And uh, I want to hear, I want to set up something, okay? Say, for instance, uh, a guy like, uh, I don't know, someone, you know, in the local area here just signed up for, uh, let's say, hypothetical reasons or... Um, uh, a local tournament uh, a couple weeks from now. Maybe it was in a lake like, I don't know, like Cowan, for instance. Okay. And it's, you know, just say for a hypothetical reason, it was sponsored by someone like, you know, well, Strictly Sale. Okay. Which happens to be up there in Blue Ash on Kenwood, right? You go into this time of the year. In a lake like Cowan, what do you do? Where do you go? Well, it's going to be tough, man. I mean, and especially on Cowan, honestly, it's going to be a little bit tougher because there's so much deep water at Cowan that you're going to have to. The, the fish, my, my guess is that most of the bass have, are going to either be in their winter hole or very close to the winter hole. Right. You can always find some shallow, man. Twenty four seven, year round. If you crank enough of the, if not, if you beat the bank enough, you'll catch a fish, right? Right. Which is always that one that I <laughs> seem to, <laughs> that I seem to put up on the tournament board. Johnny's got one oh, right away, boy. Yeah, that's it. Johnny got one. You know, but this time of year, like you're gonna want to look deeper. Yeah. You're gonna want to look for protected holes. Like when the wind blows, it's not going to create any current in the hole. Right. Like it'll be over it or next to it. Uh, someplace that it's not going to get muddy or blown out from the rains. Where the hell would that be in Cowan? I mean, 
I guess Cowan's what forty something feet deep, sixty feet deep in places. Dude, there's, there's, I think it's a little deeper than that. Up close to the dam. A bunch of it's like forty feet deep. Right. That that's what's gonna make it so challenging at Cowan, is because it's so deep everywhere. Right. Like if you go to Sharon Woods. Yeah. Right. Well, there's only like a stretch that's like kind of deep, so it's not hard to figure out where the bass are gonna be, man. Right. Right. Um. And, and you'll see it with your fish. And this is going to be an event that you need a fish finder. There's just no doubt. Because you're going to be looking like 20 feet deep. Well, right. that's what I'm going to be doing. Right. You know, I'm going to be looking uh, for black bass much deeper. Someplace, too, that has vertical. A lot of vertical in it. Because I feel like yeah. the, those bass are going to move up and down. Mm-hmm. At least that's been my experience. I don't, I'm not a big fan of going out and going after black bass when it's freezing out at night right because you're going after white bass that are just jumping in your boat well they're ready to bite at least you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) now do you fish them the same way i mean one thing i'd say about your fishing down on the river and and watching the video that you just put up check it out on kurt's well that would be on your facebook page right so it's on there yeah um and that's probably a good way uh, place to start but damn you get a lot of practice in don't you catching fish and that's got to be important. Catching big fish, too, that will fight. Well, you just seem to be so, like, butter smooth at it. I mean, that St. Croix rod really helps a lot, man. I can't right. lie. I mean, and if you see that rod, you would laugh, right? So this rod, let's just talk about this rod for a second. It's a St. Croix uh, medium light, fast action, mm-hmm. right? I forgot to take it down. I went under a bridge on Gunnersville. Uh oh. Yeah, just fucking grounded. Just grounded, man. <laughs> Excuse my language. You're allowed that because I feel something bad's going to happen oh, to yeah. your rod. Oh, it was six of them. Just oh. grounded. Six of them, man. I might say um, that too. Dude, I still have, and I still have it. I'm still, I'm still using it. Uh, but because of that, I yeah. lost an eyelid on it. Yeah. You know, and two of the other eyelids are come out frequently. Is that the rod you're using in the YouTube video? Yeah, man. And it still has that like majestic bend like it, that? It's, I've been waiting for it to break. All those big catfish I've been catching the yeah. past two years, it's that rod. Oh my God. That rod. I've had it almost three years now. And I... That has know, to be a... That's everyone's like, who sees it's like, get rid of that thing, man. But I'm like, I have to see its limits. Like, I'm, it's taken abuse, just like right. ridiculous abuse. I mean, several catfish, you know, one of them was over 40 pounds. One other one was probably over 30 pounds. I mean, that usually breaks a rod, honestly. Right. You know, or it will break soon afterwards. That's what I find is a lot of times they don't break on those giant fish. Right. But then within a week or a month, the rod will break. These right. Dude, a bridge. Boy, if that's not testimony right there, I, I don't shut know my window is. on it one time in my car. <laughs> I kid you not, man. I saw it happen to us. I hit the automatic up. I look over. I'm like, ah! And then I put oh, it back down. Oh, my God. And that was a year ago. Had that bend in it from being stuck yeah, up in the it looks perfect. <laughs> looks perfect. Wow. I mean, so now is there cracks in it? Cracks or anything? Or is it... it well, it doesn't look all the happiest now, man. I mean, it's it's scraped up. and sh- It looks like a dog chew on it. Right. But, man, it is still just a workhorse, man. It won't stop. There's an amazing way those are made. And I read, I read this article in Bassmaster Magazine about the great rod manufacturers and the history thereof. 
And boy, the one that is just extremely fascinating is the story of the St. Croix rod. And, and man, the way that they make that thing, now there's no way that I could describe how they make it, but it's special. Yeah, they go through a lot of extra effort. I mean, each and every rod that they have is a different mandrel that they wrap the fiber around to make the rod. You know, a lot of manufacturers will have one no matter what weight the rod is. It's their seven-foot mandrel. Right. You know, these guys, it's each, every single rod has a different mandrel. So they, they just dial it in, how they taper their mandrel right. versus stepping it down. I mean, it, there's just so many little things that go into it. The, the type of materials they use to make the rod out of. Um, those legend tournaments in particular are just amazing workhorse rods right you know for how sensitive they are i can't believe how much abuse this they, they take that's amazing are you are you familiar with the uh st croix rod i got i was looking at that man i am not particularly familiar with that particular one yeah man. this is an actual st croix rod from the makers of the fine fishing equipment for over 30 years back in this time dude this is the fishing machine it's still in its box too this, For you guys that can't see this, this box is just a little beat up, and this is a some this is a Saint Croix, old Saint Croix rod that has the reel on it built in, and it's the one it's a telescoping rod, man. So you're ready to go in two seconds. You're so ready. So back then, uh, fishing was, you know, a sort of like a uh, gentleman's sport. They'd have one of these shoved in the back of their their car, collapsible with a lot of traveling salesmen and stuff like that. It looks like a dashboard of like a 79 Ford It does, man. Look at that chrome on it. It's beautiful. It even has range finder. Has this ever even been fished? I've used it a couple times. I mean, it's clean. <laughs> it is clean. I'll post some pictures of uh, <laughs> up on Facebook. But this was, a, this was uh, brought to you by uh, Harry Scotty Scott and his fantastic... Uh, He's like the he's like Mr. Haney on Green Acres, and he's always showing up with something that's uh, extraordinary. But that's my Saint Croix rod. It's not quite the same though, and it's uh, <laughs> it's but a nice one though. It's, it's nice, isn't that good? But the, Saint Croix's got a fascinating story. Not to uh, um, obviously, you know, another one of your sponsors. So that is some amazing stuff. So back to the winter fishing, okay? Back to this uh, thing. So you're using the you're using this bladed jig. You out there on your with your. Uh, it's your not sand. a bladed jig. It's a blade bait. Okay, what's the okay? Explain that, please. So a bladed jig would be like a shock blade, you know, it, 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 or a jackhammer. That's a that, that's what a blade. Okay, is. yeah, yeah, I yeah, you're right. This is a blade bait. It's like a right. silver buddy. Right. And that's what it's, it's it, that's exactly what it is. It's the it's the mold that people make the silver buddies out of. Right. And you're just out there just bouncing that you find yourself over a big hole, a big huge ball of fish and yeah. you're just throwing that thing up and down. Yeah, you can fish it a lot of different ways, but the, my favorite way to use it is vertical. Straight up and straight down, man, on and, and dropping it. And for whatever reason in the winter time, on the bottom, they they'll eat it. You know, they, so you're dropping it all the way down mm -hmm. and just bouncing it, what, just a foot or so off the deck there? Uh, yeah, I'll rip it up about a foot. It really depends on what I'm seeing on my fish finder. If I okay. see them, you know, a lot of times 
I'll see them and they're, they're smashed on the bottom. But if they're like suspended up a foot or two and I've yeah. seen them kind of broken up and up and over the bottom, I'll bring it up to the top of the school and let it fall back down through the school. Right. Staying warm, important. That's a no-brainer, really. Actually, that vest right there with the styrofoam inserts, I paid, what, 30 bucks for that thing? That actually keeps me pretty warm. Yeah. Too. <laughs> Limited motion on that thing, but it actually keeps me pretty warm. So believe it or not, my vest that I wear for wintertime that I bought is a cheap vest. And it would normally be the world's worst vest because it is hot. Right. It has the insulation where it goes all the way around. So it's like, I mean, it's like up over your shoulders a little bit. This kid can't swim at all. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what it's for. It's a cheap one. You know, I forget. It's like $40 or something. I mean, it's a super cheap vest. And, uh, you know, most people wouldn't buy it because of, you know, it's $40. You know, it's a cheap vest, and it's really not a good vest for a lot of things. But, man, I buy a triple extra large, so it fits over all my stuff. Right. Man, and honestly, it's great. Yeah. Because it keeps me warmer. Because in the wintertime, I have a hard enough time keeping warm out there. And it's just another thing to help keep me warm. Yeah. So that's a big, just, if you're going to get a vest, get one of those for the winter fishing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up on your Facebook stuff because I never really thought about that. You know, Um, this one fits a little snug. I think I'm going to get a bigger one to fit around the other thing. I got to look into a dry suit. Uh, if a fella doesn't have dry suit, okay, and you're going to risk going out there, you definitely don't want to have, or is it one of those things where you say, don't risk it? If, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts, you just shouldn't risk it. Or should you wear shoes that you can kick off really fast, don't wear a lot of layers, all of that good stuff? Well, I mean, you know, it probably, probably you shouldn't go at all, but you can get away with like waders. You know, and then some type of rain jacket. I've seen guys do that. And I actually saw, you know, I talked to some buddies about it. And, and he one dude shot a video and jumped in the water with the rain top on over waders. Now, he was pretty wet around his neck. Right. There is no doubt. And he jumped in, he had his life vest on, and then swam back up to the dock. Right. So he wasn't in for more than a, a few minutes. But, man, it... I just feel like you're risking your life and I don't want anyone to go unprepared. Right. I feel like if you go on waders and a rain top, you're risking your life. Right. You know what I mean? And and you really shouldn't. Water's cold, the air is cold. If you're by yourself and there's no one to help you, that's, you're dead. Yeah, that's something that absolutely should be the last thing. When you talk to yeah. someone who's fallen into cold water who didn't have the right gear on, Man, I've talked to two people, and they were like, if my buddies weren't there, I would have died. Right. You know, and they had waders and a rain top on, and they fell into the cold water. And he said when that cold water hit him, he couldn't move. He said he couldn't even swim. The only thing holding him up was his life jacket. And he said all he could do was watch his kayak slowly move away from him, and he was trying to swim towards it, but he couldn't even hardly get his arms moving. That's a bad dream right there, yeah. man. And when his buddy came over to get him in his kayak, he couldn't even hang on to the side of the kayak because he couldn't get his hands to work. And that was on a day where it was like 35 out, and he said the water was about 37, I think. So that's not even like what I consider really cold conditions. But, man, you know, if you're by yourself, right. 
and you're no, two, see, three miles from the yeah. launch, you're just in a world of hurt. And I just don't want anyone to get hurt. This is all about having fun and enjoying life, man, living it to its fullest. And the way to live your life to the fullest is to wear a dry suit, <laughs> right? Know? Wear a non-inflatable life jacket. Yeah. You know, go go with a buddy. Right. So now having all of those things set, you're ready to do some winter fishing. I think it's a good time as, you know, you prove to practice landing the fish and being comfortable with it and figuring out your equipment and all of that kind of stuff. So maybe that's what we'll touch in. We're going to take a break and uh, we'll touch in on that and a couple other things when we come back. You dig? I gotta take a pee pee break. Well, listen, the horses need fed too. We are here at the Rock and Star Ranch at the Cowboy Gasoline Studio. John Graves Kayak Fishing, we'll be right back. Five foot, six inch telescoping rod, true fishing action. True action. In fresh action. or salt water. Wow. Compact 15 and a quarter inch carrying size. Look at that dude. One happy dude. Look at that big log. Look how, look how big that bass is, man. <laughs> That's bigger than the dude in the picture, man. <laughs> He's way off in the distance. Got his little avenue in his little boat. There it is. Anyway, beautiful stuff. We're back. John Gray's kayak fishing and uh, Kurt's still hanging out. I had to, man, it's so important. This is another thing that's really important. I have to remind myself to do it, trying to be really smart about it, but we're talking about hydration of oneself um, because every time I go out and tend to the ponies and uh, the ponies, when they drink a lot of water, it's a good time to start drinking a lot of water. And this time of the year, we don't think about that stuff a whole lot, you know. You know, it's funny you say that, because I suffer from that this time of year, man. I find that, let's say I go fishing, and I'm bundled up. What am I drinking? I'm drinking hot coffee. Right. It doesn't matter how much I drank before I got out there. I'm drinking like three, four cups out there. Yeah. I do it. Man, and all of a sudden, you realize it's like 1 o'clock. You don't drink any water. Right. And then you wonder why when you get home, you get a splitting, raging headache. Yeah. You know, that's because you're dehydrated. Right. And I've been suffering from that constantly this time of year. You do. You, you Headaches hit you bad. Yeah. If you follow you on your social media stuff, man, you get hit hard with headaches. And I bet you it's the same thing that happens to me, man. We just dehydrate ourselves. Well, you think know, about that. That's part of it. Since since going to a chiropractor, it's been a lot better. I had some, I have some back issues and some neck issues that he's, uh, especially neck issues. That's really helped with my headaches. That so he's right. helped out a lot. But man, I mean, being dehydrated is a big trigger for right. migraines. Man, that is a really big trigger. Right. Not eating is a big trigger, right? And what do we do? Do we really eat lunch? You know. Not really, you know, if well, especially pre-tournament fishing. I do, unfortunately. You do? <laughs> <laughs> I need to hang out with you more, man. Mike Kelsey's <laughs> I, You know, and it's because I have to, and here's why. I do not want to, and, and, and the Bassmasters down at Lake Chickamauga is a perfect example how I have to have food. I have to set that time. That 20 minutes to sit there, 
stop what I'm doing and eat my lunch. So I actually, I think I was watching Mike during this time. You I had actually kickback. stopped fishing during lunch. I had a charcuterie board there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. Lisa, by the way, big shout out to uh, my sponsor, uh, Lisa Spirit, Caldwell Banker. Uh, global luxury um, real estate. Call her up at 513-317-6004. You know why I messed her phone number up last time we were together? No. It sounds so much like La Rosa's. It does sound a lot like And we like were talking Rosa's. about La Rosa's, but it's not. It's 513-317-6004. The dream home comes in many, many sizes. So I'm down there and... Um, was I talking about? Headaches. Headaches, yeah, thank you very much. And my charcuterie board. She bought a lot of these, what like... What is a charcuterie board? <laughs> what is... I mean, just what is a charcuterie board? It's like, you know, it's like a little wooden board that you have, and it's got slices of, like, different cheeses, and maybe some olives, and some... I'm like, not very upscale. Bourbon man. cherries. <laughs> perfect cherries <laughs> maybe some nut bread or something like that you okay. know okay. and you know a little butter or something so anyway she had a, <laughs> some almonds are always included right so it's a good fast meal it's protein carbohydrates all that good stuff right and uh so she had a lot of these things that she bought for this real high-end house that she was you know, putting up for sale, you know, really nice house. The kind that when you walk in to look at it, you expect a charcuterie board there. You know? <laughs> and so she had a whole bunch of these little, so I'm sitting back with my charcuterie board and I was watching Mike Elsie during that time. But to the headaches, I have to do that. And this is why, because I'm not going to, man, having the opportunity to go to something like that for me is beyond anything I could have ever dreamed of. I, when I started doing this, I'd have no idea I'd be sitting here with you and talking about something called kayak bass fishing. And usually I can plan in a little bit in my future, you know, about things. This band, boom, all of a sudden it changed my life. And to have the opportunity to do something like actually fish in a Bassmasters tournament, dude. Pretty cool. I'm not going to go down there. I'm not going to do something like not drink my water, hydrate myself. I'm going to pop up an Excedrin before I even start the morning. <laughs> I, I have to stop for 20 minutes and have some food. And then I can get right back in. If I do not do that, I've done it long enough to know that I will have a disturbing headache at the end of the day. And it really is... It, that type of headache hurts so bad yeah. that it destroys the whole thing. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm ending up in that portalette, <laughs> godforsaken portalettes uh, that are on docks, and I'm puking my brains out, or I'm over by the the car just getting sick. I, that's happened to me. Uh, so that is why I sat back with my charcuterie board and I watched <laughs> Mike Elsie do some fishing there, which he did really well, but. Uh, so I have to do that. That that's key. So I just wanted to touch Good on for you, hydration. Man, honestly, I mean, to be straight up, honestly, 
Because I feel like half the time during tournaments, I don't even end up eating. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's at the end of the day, and I wonder why I'm grumpy, and I'm just freaking tired, exhausted, and it's because I haven't eaten all day. You know, I just get wrapped up into wrapped up into it like that. So good for you for taking time to keep healthy, man. Because that's you know, we all should we should we should all should take a second to keep right. healthy. I don't see Eric Siddiqui <laughs> kicking back right now. I just want, oh, I think I'm just going to chill for about an hour, you know. Well, <laughs> no. You know. No, Big yeah. shout out to Eric, one of the local, the, you know, the Beach Mod Boy Wonder. The proud of them. Wow. It would be fun. Eric's, Eric's a classy dude. Eric is, for me, when I saw Eric at the first Logan Martin Bassmasters stage. Yeah. Man, I'm just going to throw it out there as, as far as a production eye goes. Someone that's looking for production. Someone's looking for bells and whistles. And the big voice that's announcing things and bringing excitement to the stage. Eric was one of the few that really delivered that as a kayak angler. Some of those guys look really uncomfortable. <laughs> Some of them are really uncomfortable. <laughs> really. And, and and it is what it is. That's a big intimidating moment. I mean, you're in Birmingham, Alabama. You're at that big event. It's hyped up. Man, oh, I wish I had that mic because I really feel that I could have just killed it and brought some. Oh, yeah, the announcer, man. Oh. I was really kind of let down. So, honestly, so was everybody else, man. I mean, that's been one of the stinging issues because the guy was just so unaware and that was that was his that you know now all of a sudden I kind of brought the light that <laughs> I wouldn't mind doing that, but <laughs> <laughs> and not to not to discredit the person who was doing that. Here's what I think was missing there, and here's what I think Eric uh, Eric delivered was that he just wasn't he didn't know what to ask. Yeah, these anglers. What do you ask? How do you even measure these things? How do you, what is the whole, how does a kayak angler, which confuses absolutely everybody that first hears of it, how do you guys judge that event? And that, I think, should have been brought to light. It was, he just didn't have a connection to it, man. You know, he has a connection to bass boats, which, which, is, which is awesome, man. And, he's, and man, when you see him announcing bass boats and those guys, he's a connection to every one of them. It would have been nice if us as a community had someone that had a connection to us up there. So they were, you know, a little bit more familiar. Helped, you know, kind of helped some of these guys, man. You know, right. Because no one's, no, one's, no one's helped these guys and talked to them and tell them what to do on stage, man. Some right. of these guys, man. Right. And, and, you know, shout out to Eric. Like you're saying, dude, he's a talker, dude. Right. You know, if you, I don't know if you've ever, you know, you spend any time sitting around Eric, he can talk, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's good, too. And, and a striking character. You know, you just don't picture Eric in a kayak slamming these fish. Like, you just wonder, where the, what, like, Arabian horse did that guy show up on? Yeah, no kidding. Man. You know what I mean? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> he and from? he's from Cincinnati, man. Right. I mean, we've talked about this before, man. It's hard to go from Cincinnati and to go around to these tournaments you know, and fish all these places and then come back to Cincinnati and, you know, because let's face it, dude, none of them are going to be around here at Cowan Lake. 
Right. You know what I mean? Bassmasters <laughs> isn't coming to Cowan Lake. Kobe's not coming to Cowan Lake. You know, they're probably not even going to come to the state. Let's just face facts, right. man. Think Ohio, about that. You know, they're probably just not going to come around here. Yeah. Um, so, it's, you know, there's an extra level that I feel like you, you kind of have to do if you're from Cincinnati or, right. or from Ohio in general. Well, I mean, my hat's off to everyone who who does it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, you know, because look at the schedule next year, man. Just in the Hobie stuff, there's two within four hours of Cincinnati. And I think right. there's four within six. Six is pretty doable, I think, personally. Man, what yeah. an opportunity we have yeah. 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 Um, to, to really have a chance to, to go and, and see what the big stage is about. No doubt. Really test you. And just go fish. For me, a lot of these tournaments, and this is one of the reasons I am just a big fan of the Hobie stuff, is that they take us to world-class water. World, straight up places that you've read about, that you wanted to go, yeah. that you would take a vacation there. Man, how cool is that? Right. You know, I mean... And relatively speaking, you're not spending a large amount of money to do that. You have the opportunity. I'm a super tightwad, and wow, will I sleep in the back of my car in a heartbeat in a Walmart parking lot? And, you know, or I'm not... kind of You and Eric, man, Walmart parking lots. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a germaphobe, actually, so you're not really going to catch me in like a trucker motel. Uh, I'd much rather sleep in the car. Um, but a camp, camping out in a state park somewhere, uh, you're not spending that much money, relatively speaking, to pulling, you know, a 300 V Max on a, you know, a 21 foot skeeter, you know, rolling some big trailer oh, down yeah. the highway. And what we can spend on vacations nowadays. You can go and get a $2,000 kayak. It doesn't matter what brand it is. Even one less than that. And then spend $250 on a couple, two or three of these tournaments that Hobie puts out and find yourself literally submerged. And I'll take, I'll even add on another scoop to what you said last time. Probably... Well, most likely some of the greatest, the best bass fishermen out there in the middle in that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Hands down, man. I I feel like the, we have the best, man. And, he, and here's why. There's no barriers. There's just aren't barriers, you know? You, you know, if you're really good, but you don't have 80 grand for a boat, or, or 40 grand for a boat and a giant truck to pull it and an insurance and a building to put it in, man. I mean, you know, you can live in an apartment and do this. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Just taking away the barriers so just the best guy is going to be the best guy, right? Whoever that is. It, yeah. There, there is no money barrier to it, really, you know? I mean, a guy working the average job can afford to buy the best kayak out there in the world. And you're you're slapping down an entry fee that's, you know, two hundred fifty I mean, that, bucks. That's yeah. nothing to snivel at. 
but let's look at this, man. So let's just break it down for everybody real quick, man. So like I like to do Airbnbs with people, you know, and get in the house. And, and it's usually right around 40 bucks a night, right? That's as cheap as some campgrounds. That's true. You know, around Chick? Yeah. God damn. And those campgrounds sometimes aren't the yeah. greatest. Like, right. they actually suck. Right. And you're spending 40 bucks a night. Or, I can hang out with my buddies, three or four of us, in a sweet house, and maybe I'll make food. Yeah. Sleep in, my, sleep in a bed. Okay. I mean... And so you got two fifty, you got like four nights, you know. So you got what is that? Another hundred and sixty bucks. So you're a little like four ten in. I mean, that's not that bad for these big events. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll always, and if you want to, you're always going to be able to find somebody to bunk out with in a house like that. Now let me ask you about my reserve on doing something like that. Okay. Oh, let's hear it, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be able to answer that because you've done it a number of times. I know that you shack up a, a number of times in these Airbnbs I with other that, kayak yeah. anglers. That's your pre preference. Okay. Do you ever have that issue where there's always that one angler that just wants to maybe drink a couple Coors Lights too many or maybe want to hang out a little late? And you're like, dude, we got to all wake up pretty early at a big event tomorrow. And. You know, you're honestly, got your guitar out and you're playing music and you know, watching I, MMA fights and never had that problem. Okay, so that's now I'm not saying some people don't stay up late at night having some drinks. You know, I mean, dude, I I, I stay in the same house as Bert sometimes, man. Bert's known to drink a few. You know, nothing wrong with that. But you know, Bert's not up making a. You know, he knows that some people are going to bed. Right. You know what I mean. So he'll go out on the back porch, smoke a cigar, have some drinks. You know, kind of hear some guys laughing, but we're all pretty respectful, man. Right. No, no one, no one's getting wild. That's true, and well, that's very true about the character of the kayak bass fisherman. Yeah, very respectful, man. Yeah. Very respectful. No one, you know. So I've never really had that be a problem. Right. And I'm always the first one to go to bed. It's just straight up. I am the first guy. I mean, yeah. nine o'clock rolls around. I'm usually like, oh, guys, I'm going, going to bed. bed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nine a.m. is it for me, man? I'm <laughs> and I can sleep. Like that was always been my you know, my you know hesitation on doing something like that because I do want to go to bed early, and I kind of like I I'm not a control freak. But boy, I like to be a control freak when I'm planned out my trip to one of those events in particular. You know, I, I like to just be on my time. Yeah, you will and be. And all that kind of stuff. That's how it is at these houses. Yeah. Man. I mean, I get up, I'm usually up before everybody else, get my stuff ready to go, you know. And again, I, I try to be respectful. Like, I try not to make a bunch of noise in the morning, you know. Nobody sleeps anyway, do they? Not tournament morning. No, no nobody sleeps, man. Morning, man. Nobody does. Dude. Except Bert. That's why I drink. <laughs> I am going to sleep. But no, nobody's... I can't sleep at all. I can't, you know, I can't sleep like a week prior. I just think about it too much. I, I love it. This is one sport that I would have never thought could replace what long distance running brought to me. I would never jump to that. And it's just so ironic how 
when my body finally says, dude, <laughs> you're not going to go out and do these off-road marathons anymore. You know, <laughs> you're not going to run across the state. You know, you're not going to think about the Western States 100 anymore in this age. You're not going to do that stuff. Yeah. You know, you're not, you even, point you're not even going to just run up to 131 and back. <laughs> you know, <laughs> your, your hips aren't going to let you do that in these. But that, I'm really starting to feel that. And boy, that was such a spiritual grounding for me. It was just, my, I didn't know it. I was aware of something and the connection I had to it. But when I finally really kind of had to walk away from running, um, I lost my spiritual soul, man. And Lisa saw me go through that. And uh, if it wasn't for kayak bass fishing, literally, because this has all of the same elements. The same elements are there. You know, your connection to nature, the solitude, being out there, the solitude that you have with yourself, God and nature and all of everything that the elements are throwing at you and combating with that and yourself, your emotions, all of that. It's an individual sport that you're coming back to a collective group of people that are like-minded, got the same kind of attitude and vibe going with their, you know, their own reasons with it. And uh, very few sports, very few activities will allow you to do that. To be so competitive too. Not only just go out and be competitive, because we're talking more than just some dudes that are showing up and playing pickle. Yeah. You know, we're talking about a sport that is so solitude in nature and quiet and peaceful but on the under, other end of it, man, money's going into it. Big stage, the, the, man, the volume's going up. The, the applause is getting louder. The trophies are getting bigger. The paychecks are getting bigger. And it's creating stars, sports stars out there. There's very, I think there's very few sports that can deliver that kind of stuff. Have such peace but be able to go out there. You know, you're picking out sports like archery, <laughs> things like that, you know, where you're out on the target and everything's quiet. Golf may be very similar to a certain... Well, this um, is but, so different because, you, I mean, like you said, you're going out in nature. You're immersing yourself in it, you know, and you're not even competing with the angler next to you. That's the reality of this. Everyone thinks about where I'm ranked on the board or this or that and how am I doing against Fred? You know, me and Fred have a friendly rivalry. How am I doing against Fred? That has nothing to do with the sport, man. We are competing against the fish. We're competing against them. We are trying to trick them into biting a piece of plastic. Whether it be hard or soft, it's a piece of plastic, man. We're not competing against other humans. We're competing against a stupid fish. Right. That makes that's really hard, man. There's there's what other sports are like that? Right. You know, I mean I mean there's no other you know, boxing you're competing against a human. That's a different you're right. And that's that's even deeper, so to speak, when you're, you are thinking about the fish. You know, we like to think of them as being stupid. But man, they got an intelligent side to them. And it's probably just 
hey, something's not right. Something doesn't feel right. Boom, let's move on, something like that. So that's the hardest one to break right there. You know, that's like hunting the white-tailed deer out there in the middle of the woods with a spear. You know, you're like, you, you have to sneak up on them. You have to get close enough to them. And some of these most ridiculous lures we throw at them. Sometimes I throw on lures and I go, why in the world does a fish react to this? Dude, an A-rig. Right. Why does a fish come up? We put on floral lines for to make it invisible. And we do all this stuff to hide our presence from the fish. And then we throw an A-rig. <laughs> and this big damn thing that has wires coming down it, blades on it, comes through the water like... But man, fish will destroy it, right? Right. Fish will eat it. Multiple fish. Multiple fish, man. They'll fight each other over it, right? I mean, so it's just... I find it mind-blowing, like, why? Why? <laughs> you know, could... And I get it, you know, there are certain times where finesse, I'm a finesse guy, man, where you, man, you want a light line, you want a light line, you want a 12-pound line or 10-pound line, you want to be throwing, you know, if you're a Ned guy, six-pound line, for God's sakes, you know, because you think the fish are going to react to it or it's affecting the, how the fall rate of the bait, but then you see, then you see the Alabama rate. Right, just right. looks like a naked umbrella. Yeah, yeah, just, just coming through the water, I mean... And it's a hard one to pull. Oh, it is. it is. It sounds obnoxious when it hits the surface. But the right pe- in the in the hands of the right people, with the right conditions, it's extraordinary. Right. Right. I mean, but just to your point, man. It's like, why are they, why are they picking to be? At, you know, and you'll you'll fish the same area with a spinner bait. You won't get a bite. You'll throw a jig in there. Won't get a bite. And then there you go. You have you have your buddy who's an A-rig expert trolling the A-rig right in front of you. <laughs> loading up on it. And you're like, they won't, and they're just not eating anything else. Right. You know? it, it's reaction, right? It's reaction to that lure and then figuring out, you know, as an angler figuring out, what is going to make them to react to that god-awful thing you just threw down there, a piece of plastic or metal or... That's why I never put down anything, any lure. When someone says, oh, that just looks like it, it won't work. I'm like, man, who Try knows? It. it might. It might work in the in such and such condition. Yeah. You know, with, with the clouds or the rain or... Man, you know, so I saw this one bait at a, a show and it was a JDM was Japanese manufacturing stuff that was there and they had all these swim beautiful swim baits and stuff but they had this lure for bedding bass and the best way I can explain it is that it had lots of tentacles on it right just all over it and the guy had one in, in the tank so when you dropped it in you kind of Texas rigged the damn thing you dropped it in and it would fall down hit the bottom and then it would like unfold and open up with all these arms real slowly wow like you didn't do any action to yeah. it right and it was designed for betting bass man and it's just the most amazing looking bait 
that doesn't work. <laughs> it just doesn't. Well, I don't right. know if it doesn't. I mean, I haven't thrown it right. a million times, but I right. threw it a lot. And, I, and I just when I saw it, I'm like, that'd be perfect for betting bass. Man. Right. You drop it right in their spot and don't move it, and that thing will slowly move. It'll drive them nuts. Like, it just makes so much sense, right? Yeah. It has to work. Yeah. No. Yeah. Not so much. But it looks like a sea urchin. But it probably works someplace. I right. bet you it does work someplace. I bet you you take it to some place where they're eating sea urchins. Right. right? Or they're eating something that just looks funky like that. <laughs> that you thing know? looks like it bites back. I did get one to nip at it. But, I mean, it wouldn't, it wouldn't eat it. It just, like, barely right. nipped it and then dragged it off the nest. I was in Chick- uh, Chickamauga when the first time I ever seen anybody do a, a spoon bait. I had never seen that, okay? And the way they were using the spoon. And I always, always, like every tackle box I ever had as a kid, I don't know why, you always had that one daredevil. <laughs> right. Red devil. The yeah. red devil one, yeah. right? Whatever that one is, right? And But I, I'd never really known how to properly do that. But I always had the lure for some reason. You know, it just seemed like you know, that was the go-to. You'd get one of those, you know. But they were, I saw them using the spoon bait, and I was like, what in the world are they using? Because they were loading up on some fish, right? So I worked my way up to them, and I'm the one that asked the stupid questions. I'm like, <laughs> what are you guys using? It's like, ah, oh, we're just throwing a spoon out. And held it up, and it just, I'm like, looks like a spoon. How were they working it? You know, just, they were up and down. They were over a big, deep hole there in the middle of Chickamauga, right? And they were, it's probably, I'd say, 60 feet, 50 feet, somewhere around there, and just throwing this thing up and down, probably just a big, huge bait ball down in that thing, you know, and working it. And man, wow, they would load up just bringing stuff up. I started using that a few more times. Nothing ever worked with it, using it. And it's just one of those lures that you're looking at and going, how in the world does this thing make a fish bite it and go after it? Have you seen it underwater? How they fall? Man, they do look like fish. That's the weirdest thing about spoons, man. Is that they're a piece of metal that when they fall, that crazy... Anyway, a good spoon. I mean, because some spoons just don't fall very good. They just have that erratic kind of like, like almost like a fish is, is can't swim. And he's trying to swim. It almost, it really The does. injured one. The injured one. The exactly. easy one. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because honestly, man, I mean, I fish spoons some. I'm not a spoon expert, you know. My buddy Jim Ware is. I always talk to him about it. And, you know, we both said that it's pretty much like they bite on the fall most of the time. I mean, just like 99% of the fish that you get on them is they're biting it on the fall. Right. You know, it's not when you rip it up. Right. Even though they may react to it and, and it might, they might even chase it up, but then all of a sudden that thing starts falling like, oh, I'm hurt. Underneath the, you know, yeah. same thing as a blade bait. The thing about spoons too is there's a lot of ways to fish them, man. Some people vertical jig them, some people cast them. I've been known guys to put swivels on and would swim them. Just, just freaking swim them right, right on the bottom, man. They put swivels on just for that. Just for that. Actually, one guy put on double swivels. And it was something about that. It put a little bit of weight. He put like about a foot leader on there. And he put a big-ass swivel on there. And he goes, it's just enough weight 
that it kind of makes it swim was his thing, man. And, and he didn't and he didn't jig at that one at all. He would throw it out there and he would swim it back, man. He caught fish on it. To your bottom, you got some fish that are laying on the bottom there, and you're just bringing it right next to them. And yeah, I mean that's just just barely over them, right? You know. You're delivering the muffins right to the dinner plate. Right <laughs> Bring it right there. God, the importance of electronics. I can't tell you how, I mean, literally grateful I am to Bert uh, for, you know, passing me down the, the great Lawrence unit. Because for the first time, I felt so freaking comfortable down at Lake Chickamauga uh, fishing because I could I could clearly see the fish I knew they were there there was no question in doubt wasn't like I was just running around blindly throwing stuff uh, it was so oh man that helped so much and as electronics go that one is even starting to get a little prehistoric you know to a certain degree but Boy, to where I am right now, that thing is going to help me out so much this year. That's going to help you out a Cowan in a couple of weeks. Yes. Because I think probably, I know, you know, theoretically speaking, you know, if I was Kurt Smith's, I'd go out and find a big deep hole someplace that maybe had a kind of a wall that just kind of had a slight angle to it <laughs> you know, dude, dude wouldn't it be so funny <laughs> we all take from the dock and we're like we're all just like you know just looking at each other in the morning Cowan's not a big leg no it very well could be because what's gonna if the if the fish are positioned the way I think believe they will be they're gonna be all schooled up together right it's not going to be like, oh, I'm fishing this point way over there. It's going to be like, if people know where they're at, there's going to be multiple people on them because they're right. going to know where they're at. It's not right. going to be like, oh, I, I think there's a limit here. It's going to be like, they're basically all here. Right. So, that Torquedo 1103. <laughs> 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 I mean... Are you really going to tell people not to fish next with you if you got there first? Right, yeah. Are you really going to tell people, yeah, this giant school's all mine? Yeah, no, you can't. You can't no, do that. I don't think that would be uh, fair no. to do. No, you can't. You know, when it comes to, like, the social graces of that type of, you know, jumping in on somebody's hula hoop space, you know, I think every kayak angler that I've ever, I mean, every one I've experienced that is there for the tournament has been really, they, if they see your, you know, your bows pointing in a certain direction and you got an angle on something, man, everybody does the whole U-turn and is very graceful. You know who to watch out for is them crappie fishermen. Oh my God, they're brutal. Dude. Crappie fishermen will straight brutal. up run you over oh, yeah. to get on a spot. Oh, and dude, if you're fishing their Christmas trees or something, yeah. man, they'll come right up on you <laughs> and drop straight down that Christmas tree, right? And ruin it for bass fishing, man. And ruin it for bass. Especially at Cowan, man. Especially, I had some old guy come up and he was like being the sweetest old man ever, but... Man, he came right up right where we were casting and parked his boat, man. I mean, I kid you not. He came right up. He's like, this is my tree. Buddy, I've been fishing cow for a long time. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean my tree? He's like, I put this here. This is my tree. 
I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. I'm like, we're bass fishing. He's like, I don't care. That doesn't hurt me none. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay. I did cast it a couple more times and then just laughed. Oh my God. I know. So crappie fishermen. Those guys are so funny. God love them. Um, you know, sometimes they just don't know any better. Uh, a couple things I want to give you, man. I want you to try out for me, okay? So one of my sponsors is Kevin Frazier, Hang Outdoors Custom Lures. You can check him out on Facebook. Uh, Hang Outdoors is a good place, man. Kevin, I met him at a fishing trade show out in Indiana, and talking about trade shows, dude, word today, they were all canceled. That's awful. Man. All of those great winter shows that they have around here a couple of them that are really super awesome shows to go to have been cut have not have been canceled so we got to figure something out and i'll throw it out to you right now uh live uh harry scotty scott right an amazing wealth of information in a very unique way he's the dude that can go out and catch fish Using pocket chains yeah, yeah, right. with a hook <laughs> attached to it, a nickel or a dime, literally, right? Just out there like they're catching fish. Well, Harry's a very interesting cat, man. And I knew him the, the moment I saw the dude, I knew he was there was something special in that guy, right? So he wants to get together an event, and it would be really neat to, we'll plan this thing in the future, but to have you have Steve Coomer, have some of the others here collective in the area, the Strictly Sale guys come in and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And we put together our own little fishing trade show. We could possibly hold it maybe like at the Miami Township Civic Center and stuff. So think about that. Yeah. Because I think right now, especially with everything being canceled, this, this community is going to be starving for something to do before those first tournaments, yeah. you know. Between oh my God. Yeah, between Christmas and uh, the first tournament. Oh, my yeah. God. Because we're looking at March. March. Well, February, March. if you're going to Seminole. Yeah. How about Watts Bar? Oh, it's four hours, man. Yeah, I know. I, I am going to hit that Watts Bar one up. See, I mean, it's just the, the tournament scene's looking up. Yeah. And the... And the Man, a new uh, kayak fishing trail in Kentucky uh, showed up. The bluegrass guy showed up, man. They, dude, their schedule's pretty solid, man. And they're picking, like, the best lakes in Kentucky. Which is, like, Dale Hollow, Cumberland. Um, I, I can't remember the other whole list. Like, Rough River's on there. I mean, it's pretty... Right. All within... I, I'm driving distance. so fired up. To do the uh, Cincinnati kayak fishing schedule, oh, which good. is actually I'll be able to do every one of those. Oh, nice! Which is going to be nice, and I think that's a good goal for me to shoot toward. Like Just the first hit every one of them. Yep, and uh, then handpick a Bassmasters, and then one of the Hobies, if not two. <laughs> and uh which is easy i uh it, it's there's you're right there's it's a good drive here we're we're centrally located to some really good ones yeah and so yeah to do two of those probably two of the bass masters 
and then the whole Cincinnati kayak fishing uh, schedule, which has just been put out a few days ago. So check that what out. What about East Facebook. West Harbor? Yeah. KBF Trail. I've never man. been there. Never you been go, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. That's like a classic. I've never done a KBF Trail event. They, they might be, you're not? Well, wait a minute. I think I did pull the trigger on one of those down at Kentucky Lake. Probably one of the first back in 2017, 2018. Yeah, it was, 2017 was the first year, I believe. Right. And there was a Kentucky Lake event held. And in fact, I won a raffle of a very nice Shimano reel. Really? <laughs> <laughs> raffle, raffle prints. So, Kevin Frazier, Hang Outdoors. A couple lures I want to turn it on to. This one right there, the Kentucky Ripper. Oh, look at that, man. Right? Take that out and practice. Use that and tell me what you think about it. That looks good. Right? Man. Kevin was so gracious to send me so many of his lures that I can't possibly be able to go out there and field test them and use these things and to talk about what they do. So I want to put them in the hands of, you know, a couple cats like yourself. Yeah. So try that when you can. Sure. What hooks would you put on there, most dad? Mm, yeah. I mean, that's just my favorite hook. Right. You know, that's, that's right. just triple grips. So just yeah. Check this one out. This is jerk bait right there. Oh, that's a nice looking With that red splat on there. Yeah. So those are all his, like, custom paints and stuff like that. Um, check those out for me, will you? And then another one of my sponsors is Port Arthur Instant Limb Lines from Port Arthur, Arkansas. So big shout out to Mitzi and Art Preller. Um, great people. Uh, the owners and operator of Limb Lines, Port Arthur Instant Limb Lines. Port Arthur is like the redneck capital of the world. <laughs> okay and so from the redneck capital of the world i'm going to give you and that's augusta arkansas where limb lines is out of I mean, you can check them out limbline.com you know limbline have you ever right. done limbline fish i have not i've watched you do it though right if you're into catfishing if you're into like survival mode that that's kind of stuff yeah if you're in this i think it's one of the most and it could be one of the most important survival tools you could have in your pack Okay. Your bug out bag is to have a limb line and using the Port Arthur instant limb line because it's reusable, most limb lines. But there's, dude, there's nothing more redneck than a koozie from Port Arthur instant limb line. So I want to give that to you there. <laughs> and, Thank uh, you. You're welcome, man. I really appreciate you coming by. So big shout out to your, uh, to your sponsors, man. Uh, Hobie. World's Best Kayaks, Strictly Sail, Fishing Online. Um, and I'll just leave it there with the top guys. Right. Highlight those guys that have, have really stepped up to help me out. Right. To those guys. We're going to put contacts with all the others because you got some great people behind you. Kurt, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, man. We ought to do this a little bit more often. Yeah, absolutely, I enjoy man. it. I enjoy the flow we have here at the Cowboy Gasoline Studio, here at the Rockin' Star Ranch. High-tech studio. Oh, man, yeah. this place is nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting by the old coal fire with the old gray barn cat, which is still outside. I make him sit outside. But you know what he does? He comes in here and starts using his litter box. Oh. And it's gross. There's <laughs> yeah. nothing more disgusting yeah, yeah. <laughs> than that. That's a smell that hits you you can't get around, you know, if you're doing a podcast. Buddy, thank you so much. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. 
Thanks so much, everybody, for listening to John Graves Kayak Fishing. I'm going to get this stuff all uh, edited up. It shouldn't take long at all, and we're going to get it out there, and I'll put it, put it out there on Facebook and all those contacts. You know how that rolls. Thank you so much, everybody. We should probably do this official. Got to have that <clears throat> live kind of stuff. What would we do? We would do something like, thank you so much, everybody, for listening to John Graves Kayak Fishing here on Anchor, Anchor FM. <laughs>